Ready? Here we go. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind, drown out the noise, and see if this connected. And see if this connected. What's up, fam? The mission of this connected podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. Now, here's your host, Catholic.Dad. Thanks again, Tony, for that intro. And tonight, we have a special treat for you, fam. Tonight, I've been asking for this guest to come on for a while. Actually, I've been waiting for over 10 years. I think it's about 10 years because it takes that long. It took that long. And you know what? A great story, fam, for a guy who I really admired and a wife who got me started in this business. So it's all her fault. All this is her fault. You're going to meet her and you're going to meet the man that she loves and adores. Um on this episode of This Connected Podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to name who they are and where they come from, and then they're going to introduce themselves, and we have a really great episode for you guys to learn about what we're going to talk about. Hmm. So fam, here they are, Deacon Robert Gonzalez and his beautiful wife, Lorena. So right here, fam, we're on that camera. They're a little bit nervous, fam, so, you know, <laughs> we're going to forgive this. This is going to take a while to get through, but mm. you know what? As we say, they can't bite you because this is a pre-recorded episode. Right. So, fam, these two are my favorite people at St. Mary's. I have a lot of favorite people, but I truly admire the fact that these two have been able to do what my wife and I won't do because we're not called to this vocation, mm-hmm. but Deacon Robert... Um, has a great story to tell. And I, I just want to share that his wife, Lorena, was the one. Me and her started this crazy group, this youth ministry that started at St. Mary's um, Parish that um, that got it all started for, for us. She went a different route. I continued on to this route. And so um, they're holier than me. <laughs> uh, no. Not holier. No. Not holier. So... Deacon Robert, tell us about yourself and Miss Lorena. Tell us about yourself, and then we can go on to the topic at hand. Uh, I guess the only thing I could probably share is that um, I'm a regular guy called to something extraordinary. Um, God called me, and I said yes. Um, And that's pretty much who I am. I'm just a regular guy who said yes to God. Come on, just a regular guy. A regular guy. All right. So, how did you get started with with a vacation? When did when did you feel? Well, well before that, we always forget about Lorena. Mm-hmm. So, Lorena, tell us about you. So, the woman. The woman. Well, me and Robert have been married for thirty plus years, and uh, we have four children, and we're very happy. We're the strongest that we've been in our relationship is now. Um. 
was called to this calling, it was a little scary. Um, I wasn't a very studious person and I had to do a lot of studying and I had to walk through this formation with him and do all the works with him. So that was really difficult um, to make it. But I took the leap of faith because I had faith in my husband. And I always tell him I'm his number one fan. <laughs> I'm number two. <laughs> <laughs> so the the wonderful thing about, about you guys is that I know a little bit about your story. Our, our, our listeners and our viewers don't know your story and the, the beauty of that story. But we actually do have a past. Like, we all went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. A long time a ago. A long time ago. <laughs> Shout out to John A. Roland High School. There you go. Roland Heights. <laughs> we went there. And for you guys who knew us then, we're not the same people. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So those things, you know, we're not even going to talk about. But, you know, we, we, you know, I looked you guys up in our, in our old yearbook, and I'm like, yeah, we look pretty good-looking kids. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less gray hair. A lot less gray hair. I colored. And I shave it off, mm-hmm. so I, I'm glad that you're you're like willing to <laughs> to flaunt that. That's right. that's wisdom right there. But um, so your calling, mm-hmm. um, and and your start in the faith started. Wh- here, let me re let me rephrase that. Were you always into your faith? Because I think a lot of times our listeners and and young people who listen are like, oh yeah, that's a deacon. You know, he was. He was born that way. You know, he <laughs> always knew that he was going to be a deacon. So right. were, you, were you always that into your faith? When I was young, I was. Uh, I always went to church every Sunday with my with my, gra- my mom, my grandmother. And faith was, uh, church was very important to us. Uh, I even told my wife that when I was 15, I wanted to become a priest. And my mom had said, no, you know, I think I want to have grandchildren. And so it wasn't that she didn't say yes, but she really didn't encourage uh, that vocation. Um, But I've always had faith. I've always had that. But, you know, like so many young kids today, you turn 18 years old and you're on your own. You're considered an adult. My mom didn't make me go to church anymore, and I stopped going. And uh, it wasn't until my wife wanted to get make her confirmation later in life and she asked me to be her sponsor and I took the classes with her and that's what kind of brought me back to back to the faith in my you know just the love of it so you went you you had to go Lorena you had to go to adult faith formation mm-hmm. yes and that was at St. Mary's yes who was your instructor Mary Lesh. Oh, gosh, I love that woman. <laughs> Definitely. Like, just, just to tell you folks, if you've ever been in our studio, half the room are things from Mary Lesh. Yeah. <laughs> right. She was like, yeah, she was like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. So before my kids throw it away, I'm going to dump it in, at your place. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have no idea how what's in there because they're they're VCR cassettes, and I <laughs> right. don't have a VCR, and they're cassette tapes, and I don't <laughs> have a cassette tape player. But they're here, Mary. If if you're ever looking for your your things, they are in the wall. They're organized <laughs> and shelved. Um, so one of the one of the things that um, that came about because I I knew that you went to Mary uh, and Mary taught you. Mm-hmm. So while you two were going through those classes mm-hmm. 
for first for you to to get confirmed did that like re-spark and what was it that occurred during those classes that sparked your that fire again i think it was her her passion for it mary just she just dripped it i mean it was just all over her and i just it was so i wanted whatever she had because she was always so happy i didn't care how long she was there at the church she always had a smile on her face and i was like that's what i want and with going with through the confirmation it reconfirmed my own commitment and my belief things that i didn't remember and uh yeah it was just awesome i mean she just she always had that glow about her wow. yeah see and, and that's that's what's so beautiful listeners is the fact that that many a times it's it's someone within the church that comes to you and greets you that kind of stokes that fire back mm -hmm. and brings you just like just like how how um how things happened here with with Robert and Lorena it it just took that one person and i remember the reason why we are at St. Mary's mm -hmm. is because of Mary Lacia mm -hmm. is because that first day where we walked into that warehouse she was the first person that greeted us mm -hmm. And it was like, are we in a Catholic church? <laughs> right. People don't greet you that way. Right. And she asked for my name and my wife's name and my children's name. And then the following Sunday, she remembered mm -hmm. to say hello. And I was like, I like this church. That, yeah. This little warehouse church. The people were so friendly. Definitely. And then, I love it. It's my favorite place in yeah. the world. And that's how we met you guys, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there we go. Right. It, and so, therefore, um, let's talk about from there, your yes. When did you say yes, and how did that come about, and where did Lorena come in on that? You know, um, I had been struggling a little bit with, my, with myself because uh, I, lived, I lived very materialistic. And I remember I was telling my wife that I was really depressed and not, not happy, and I go, how can I have a beautiful house, cars, money, have everything, wife, kids, and still be so unhappy? And so one Sunday when Father Brendan was still at the church, he did, uh, the gospel was the rich man. And how he tells them, give everything you have away and come follow me. And I don't know what it was, but that knocked me down to my knees. I went home. I gave everything I had away. I had watches and I had all this kind of stuff. I gave it all away. I didn't want it no more. And that was the, the beginning of like, okay, there's something more here for me. I didn't know what it was. And, um, and that had went on a little while and I didn't even know what a deacon was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And uh, I kept on telling my wife, I said, you know, I think I want to do something more but I didn't know what. And she goes, well, just pray on it, and then we'll see what happens. And I was on retreat one Sunday at Sacred Heart Retreat House in Alhambra, and uh, there was a priest there called, his name was Father Anthony. And I was sitting there in contemplation, and he comes up to me and he goes, what's going on with you? Nothing, just here drinking my coffee and nothing. No, something's going on with you. And then he goes, and I go, no, nothing's going on. He goes, no, no, something's going on. What's going on with you? I said, well, I'm kind of contemplating becoming a deacon. I don't know what it is, but I'm thinking about it. And he goes, 
how long are you going to make God wait? Mm. And so he he left, and and that was pretty much my only reaction with interaction with him that weekend until the closing mass. And he came up to me, and he handed me a paper bag. He goes, this is for you. And it was a Holy Spirit dove surrounded by fire. And I just lost it. I was I was crying, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I told Lorena, I said, what do you think? And she goes, if you want to do it, go for it. I'm, I got you 100%. I had no idea what was entailed or what it, in, how long it would take, but that was the start of our journey. Well, Lorena, if you knew that you had to take those classes, <laughs> would have you said yes? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, Arnell, um, when we found out, I I thought like, oh, well, maybe I can talk him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this isn't for him, you know. But then that was the little devil behind me whispering mm-hmm. in my ear. And I realized that. I said, how could I keep him from doing something that God is calling him to because of my fears? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, he's not going to not do it because of me. You know, if, it's, if he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to do it, I support him whether he does it or doesn't do it. But it's not going to be because I'm not willing to put my hand, my arm out, you know, because it's not going to come from me. And you got a Proverbs 31 woman right there. Mm-hmm. Lucky. Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. I mean, I don't think it would have been possible to be where I'm at today without her. Not even... And, you know, and one of the things when we started the program, everything was always husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand it. And my wife was, oh, you know, why do we have to do this stuff? Now I get it. Because I might be up there on the altar during Mass, but she's doing just as much ministry in the pews as I am, if not more. And she's touching so many more, so many people just because of what we've done together. Yeah, so many. Yeah, and it's beautiful because you guys are equally yoked. You guys are pulling mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I remember a priest saying one time, you know, when you're unequally yoked, you're going around in circles. Right. Because one is pulling, and you know, one is pulling away, and so you're never getting to your location. So you have to find a way mm-hmm. to equalize that so that you guys are pulling together. Right. It might take you a little bit longer, <laughs> but but you're pulling together. Right. right. So that's that's beautiful. And, and thank you, Lorena, for for giving us that gift. Because I, I think what people don't realize is when, when the wife says yes, that gift is not only to you, but mm-hmm. it's to all those people you get to minister to. Right. I have so to share one more thing with you now. No. That, okay, that, that yes that I gave to Robert in private in a private setting was my first yes in formation throughout the entire time every year before the next one I have to say yes at the beginning of that first year and I have to say yes at the end of that year because if I would say no throughout his formation they would pull him from the program at any point so mm-hmm. I had to keep saying yes and keep saying yes and wow. That yes stood strong, and there was a little bit of a strain that we had, like towards the towards the end, the, towards the end. But it wasn't my not saying yes; it was his thoughts. But that yes was always 
when he was struggling it with it the most, I was more secure with it. I mm-hmm. knew he was making the right decisions and and pushing forward. And what what a great what a great example of what God calls us to, which is obedience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not enough of that. You know, uh, a youth um, the other day asked me, ah, "I'm sure now, what's the opposite of sin?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Like <laughs> love." You know, I'm like, I'm thinking this, and and then I I was listening to to a priest and says, "You know, the opposite of of sin is." obey it's obedience mm-hmm. and from that obedience comes all the graces right mm-hmm. i was like and that's what i gave and and he says can you expand on that it's like no i haven't finished <laughs> listening to the episode of the, this priest is saying you listen to it um but has you know you, you mentioned that in the last year it was it became a little difficult so mm-hmm. uh, i guess my next question i, I wanted to ask you was was it always like easy because a lot of times when people hear oh you said yes mm-hmm. to god and it's like oh well then you know i get to flutter around and i'm you know everything's so joyful and it's easy and so was it easy for you all those by the way how many years did it take it took us a total of eight years eight years eight years total uh we had one year with the pmfp three years cmfp and then four years of diaconate formation and how many more years of continued and I have five more years of continued uh, post-ordination formation that mm. I have to do. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I am going to add you to my prayer list <laughs> because that's that's a lot. And, you know, but so how, how, was it always smooth sailing for you guys? No. No, you know, in the, <clears throat> academically it was. Doing the homework was easy. I can do it, you know. We had some instructors her name is emma and deacon antonio mejillo i believe is how you pronounce her last name and they were our instructors the third year of formation and they brought in a book called urgings of the heart dealing with your shadows and that kind of stuff and helping us build a relationship on who god is who are who god is to us when we started the program they had us draw a picture which i thought was kind of you know remedial but I drew God as the old, you know, bur- mm-hmm. fire and brimstone type of God. And when I finished, it was a God like a father. And it was going through that that really was the struggle because I had to look at all my imperfections, um, why I am the way I am, and make... Um, I had to reconcile with a lot of my childhood traumas that I had Mm -hmm. and forgive people before I can move forward. And, but it was really, really difficult because I really did the work. I, I, you know, we did, we would read it. We would discuss it. We would argue. I mean, it was really awesome. I mean, we learned a lot and, but that was the most, that was the hardest. It was the third year. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, the final year, the, no, the third year, this is the third going into the fourth year. Okay. And um, it was actually Christmas time about that time when I took a sabbatical, I, I stopped. And why did you plan on quitting or was that? I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I was just so lost and um, I was dealing with all these hurts and stuff that I, I had to take care of first before I can mm-hmm. go forward. Because I, one thing I told my wife was that I always had, 
I thought that I was doing it for her. I was doing it for my dad, my mom, sister Marie Andre, Father Al. And I thought I was losing sight of why I was doing it. And then finally when I decided I'm going to go ahead and stop for a little while, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to be so angry, so upset with me. Every single person was like, it's okay. You have to do it. You're you're doing the work. You're the, that's what's called discernment is mm-hmm. that inner battle. And I so encouraged. Father Al was like so encouraging to me. And um, he said, "If you're not, if this isn't for you, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. You know that's okay." But he was so fearful with the people that he admired and loved that that were so proud of him for being in the program Mm -hmm. that he was going to be a disappointment Mm because he didn't want to. And it wasn't because he didn't want to. You have to remember, we had two years, almost three years in the pandemic. And so now it wasn't interacting. We were doing these things online. It was Mm -hmm. disconnected, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of disconnection. And even disconnection from the church. It was this whole thing. And then we were still doing these urgings of the heart where we were really deep in really deep in our hearts and we were having to look at the reflection in the mirror Mm -hmm. so it caused a lot of other extra demons to come out within you know and that battle really started and when he said you know what i can't i said you got to do what you got to do i support you 100 percent. and then everybody that he thought he was going to let down supported him in the sense of you need to do what's good for you whether Mm -hmm. it's the diaconate or not you need to do what's best for you. And through that encouragement, and then he went to therapy. He mm-hmm. was doing working on himself. And through that, he found himself and he says, wait a minute. I am doing this for me. And I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it because God has called me to do it. Mm-hmm. And he realized I'm not doing it for anybody but for me and God. And Amen. everybody else is going to benefit from the fruits of my labors. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, I, I forgot to, rea- you know, I didn't realize it, and I just remembered that these deep parts of your formation was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those those are what I call the dark lost years. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to make that really difficult part of, of your formation mm-hmm. semi-alone. Right. Um, that's a huge challenge. And, you know, I got to tell you... Um, after I came back, we were going to be instituted as lectors. We came back, we got accepted back into the program, and everybody, all the guys that were there, were literally crying when they saw me when I came back. And they were like, if you can't do it, I'm not going to be able to do it. Because they, from on the outside, they always thought that I looked like I had it all together. But yeah, they were like, oh my God, if you can't do it, you know, we can't do this. I, I think it was encouraging to them, and that's when we started getting back into in-person meetings, and we realized that we're all struggling with the same doubts and fears and confusion and everything. We were all dealing with the same thing. It was just, um, it's amazing, you know, how those those years really affected it. Is that is that doubts of am I enough, or am I worthy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. To this day, I'll, I'll be up on the altar, and it's like, what am I doing here? When I when Father hands me the chalice and I lift it, 
it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm here. You know, there's when I first started, I would lose myself because you're, you're just enthralled in it. And all those little words take on such a different meaning. When Father carries that host and he breaks it, oh, it's just, it's a different world. You know, it's just so beautiful. I love the thing he said to me. The first time he held the chalice in his hands and he raised it, the reflection of Jesus behind him mm -hmm. was on the chalice. Was oh. inside the cup. And he was like, like almost wanting to fall to his knees because it was like, here he is, he's in my presence and I'm holding him, mm -hmm. you know, and um, that was, and he says that all the time, he goes, every time I lift it, I look and I see that reflection of mm -hmm. God on that chalice. So. Uh, you know, one of the things I admire so much about you is your humility. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate I, that. I, I think um, the the <coughs> things when, when we always look at the people on the altar, it's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. But you exude something that I admire from, like, Father Brendan and how y your movement mm -hmm. is humble. It's, it's, um, it, it's not something that, that says that commands people, hey, look at me, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm Deacon Robert. It's, hey, come to me, I'm Deacon Robert. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when I think a lot of young people will look at you and, and flock to you because of that humility, because in a world that we have today mm -hmm. lacks humility. Right. And, and that's so much when people say, well, who is that guy? Oh, he's Deacon Robert. <laughs> like, it's like, well, wasn't he Robert just a couple of months right. ago? It's like, yeah, <laughs> but now he's Deacon Robert. Right. And, and, and you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's beautiful because it's, it's something to aspire to. Humility mm -hmm. is always something to aspire to. Right. And, and so, you didn't quit. No. But you almost quit. Almost. <laughs> and who stopped you? Uh, I think it was it was God. Okay. Yeah. Through prayer. Yeah. Like he just like, you know, you're going to be all right. And I had such a sense of consolation that came over me. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I am where I'm supposed to be. One of the things that we would always talk about, and because I am an introvert, I'm a very shy person. Me too. And... <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And anybody that knows her now, that's <laughs> I mean, not true. They take the camera off me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the things that she would always tell me is that she goes, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. To go up there and read the gospel, to give a homily. How can you do it in front of 500 people? Wait, wait. She doubted you? She doubted <laughs> my, you know, if I would be able to do it because I was such a shy person. And he also likes to be home. He's a homebody. Mm-hmm. And I said, you can't do that no more. You need to do. And I wasn't doubting him. I wasn't trying to discourage Challenge him. Challenge him. I wanted to let him mm -hmm. know that, remember, if you're taking this on, you're taking it on for the whole thing, not a piece of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was not a big picture. It's mm -mm. not just the mass. I don't want to be an altar ornament. The, my work is out in the, in the, with the community. <laughs> Where's my pen? That is the quote for the evening. I do not want to be an altar ornament. That's one of the things they told us when we were going through formation is that they don't want us to be altar ornaments. They want us, to, we're supposed to be with the people. We're supposed to, a deacon is supposed to be that bridge that is from the altar to the community. Because we're walking on both sides of it. And so, yeah. 
That is the quote of the night. <laughs> it's because, again, that quote uh, follows through what I what I admire about you is humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people who go into diagonal. Well, I, there's a lot of people who go into anything um, because they want to be seen. They want to be the right. the altar ornament. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, no, we're not looking at you. We're looking at Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember, y- you guys were um, coordinators of altar servers, and mm-hmm. I said a really good altar server is an altar server that doesn't get seen, mm-hmm. but does everything to perfection. But you're not there to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, oh, love that. Well, that's gonna be like the <laughs> quote on our, our little our little <laughs> promo here. So. Now that you're a deacon, mm-hmm. now that you're up there, mm-hmm. not an altar ornament, mm-hmm. looking at the chalice, seeing Jesus, Miss Lorena already said, you're a homebody, but you can't be a homebody. Mm-hmm. Now what? What, what? what do you feel called to do? It's serving with the community. Yeah. I love being with the people. I was always, a long time ago, I used to be, myself i would like to put myself in the room and pray by myself and do my rosary by myself but being with community and being with the people and praying together i tell her all the time i go i'm i love being there if it's for a meeting or or whatever it's like i just i love it i love it goes on wednesdays every other wednesdays and he works works with what's the name of the group uh, it's the the prayer group, the women's prayer group on Wednesdays. Oh yeah, yeah, he does that every other Wednesday. It's a yeah. funny group. He meets oh, with they're the they're great. They're great. Oh, shout um, out to the ladies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, he like he loves to take communion to the sick and the homebound. Mm-hmm. That is something that he's always been passionate about. You know, taking Jesus to people that can't receive. Mm-hmm. You and know, that was one thing that I brought up when we were going through formation because. Bishop Barnes was really about or really into prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, you know, I don't mind doing that, but I mean, that's not really where I feel my call. And I remember we were talking with Bishop Rojas and I told him that, you know, I know that this is what you want us to do, and but this is where I feel called to. He goes, that's just as important, if not more. And and here's the thing too, is when when you when you talk about prison ministries, Going to the sick and homebound is a prison. Mm-hmm. You're in prison in your own home. Mm-hmm. And that, that's more difficult because because you have a desire to come out, but you can't because either you're sick, you're right. old, you're elderly, or no one will come to you and, and help you. So right. that is such a great ministry. I know um, you know some of the ladies um, who used to do that, but they're getting older, so they can't do that. So it's beautiful that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, we had talked um, a little bit um before this that um you wanted to speak about being a man being a catholic man mm-hmm. what the importance of of being a catholic man mm-hmm. um so let's 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 touch on that mm-hmm. what well, what what do you mean about the importance of being a catholic man uh you know through a lot of prayer i look at the world that we live in and you know, going through the Me Too movement and all that kind of stuff, you know, I just think that men sometimes just get lost, you know, and they take things for granted that they shouldn't. And where their priorities should be, they're not. And 
one thing that I learned was that if we want to encourage our kids to grow up and to be faithful Catholics, we have to be the ones to set the example as fathers. Not that mothers are not important at all. I'm not saying that. But as fathers, we do have, you know, set an example for our kids. Mm -hmm. Because why would my son want to get up to go to church if I'm staying home to watch football? Right. Or if I'm not going to say grace at dinner, why would my kids want to do that when they get older? You know, they're just not going to, they're not going to have that because I didn't give that to them, you know? And one thing that she said is, which is so important because we're all given when we're born a backpack that we're, we put stuff in through all our lives, things that we learn, things that we're taught. Are we putting faith in there for our kids? Are we putting the love of Christ and for community and for neighbor? Are we giving them the, the things that they need to be good, good Catholic people, good Catholic men? That's what I think is so important. It's, it's, to, it's to have that example mm -hmm. of, of how to grow in faith mm -hmm. as a man. You know, I think what, what you touch on there is, is really important because the statistics um, that are out there support what you're saying. Mm -hmm. That if the father is not going to the Mass, then the likelihood of their children going to Mass is a lot lower, right. significantly lower, than if it's just the mother who's taking them right. to Mass. Um, and and psychologically, you know, the women in the household, the mother, the women, are the nurturers. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones who nurture their children. But it's the fathers that lead. Mm -hmm. And I think, in a way, our society has, um, our men, in in a way, have also placed that on the woman to do it all. Right. And. And it's a concern. Mm -hmm. It's it's a concern. So it's it's important. So so now we talk about the importance of being a Catholic man leads into being a Catholic husband, father, brother, etc. So what now? I mean, what what do we do? How do we talk about that? How do we grow that in the church? Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. One thing I was uh, Father Arturo uh, was asking me, what are we going to do to help get more men to come to church mm -hmm. and, and you know that's the challenge how do we you know being a, an example you know one thing that you know that I hear from some a lot of women is and they tell my, my wife is I wish my husband was like that I wish my husband was like your husband mm -hmm. don't do that don't compare me yeah. to you know they have they're on their own journey is that is that that, that awful thing and you're like I am not the best husband <laughs> No. Well, like when they when they approach me and they tell me that, oh, I wish my husband was more like yours. You know, I wish my husband was, and this is before my husband was a deacon, you know. And, oh, he's so uh, committed. He's always here. And then I said, look, I said, but you comparing him to anyone is not doing any good. What you got to do is plant the seed. I go, invite him. Tell him how much you miss him not being there with you. Don't nag him and make it a thing because now it's, I go, now you're making it a fight. And then I go, so don't do that. I go, just plant the seed. God's, you know, God's going to come and water it and it's going to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Invite them with love. Invite them 
maybe making them feel bad like oh i missed you so much today i was mm -hmm. thinking about you i was sitting next to this lady and her husband and we're holding hands and i look over and you're not there with me you know make them feel sad that you're not with them because they are a part of you yeah. you know and for you men that are listening you need to be there because we are alone mm -hmm. you know when you're not there and that's another transition for me i don't have robert next to me anymore mm. so i feel out of place and i'm kind of i'm i'm you'll see me now i'm the bouncing around i <laughs> go sit next to new people every week because <laughs> i don't want to sit alone you know i'm used to holding his hand and and i don't have that no more but for you men that are out there that are even contemplating anything be there for your wife. Be there for your kids because it's important. We're lonely without you, yeah. even if it's for that hour at church. It's it's kind of like the reason why you know we go to Saturday mass mm -hmm. is because I usher mm -hmm. at the eleven o'clock Sunday mass, and when you usher, you don't get to sit with your spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I've been telling the, the the ushers like, you need to go to a different mass and then serve at this mass mm -hmm. because the, you're, you're not, not you're not worshiping. You're working. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, maybe some of the men out there will will, will take that advice and, and do that because it's beautiful to see uh, couples sitting together mm -hmm. um, and worshiping together. Right. Um, so in, in that sense, um, being an example, mm -hmm. showing that example, but finding, I think, the hard thing with, with um, inviting men is what is there for them. Mm-hmm. You know, at church. Yeah, and I had some really great ideas of of what we can do, mm -hmm. but trying to find the time to actually do it. With right. Me. So that that's really challenge. And I suggest you know, fam, if you if you're out there and you have really great ideas or things that that you're doing within your parish community that works to invite uh, men to come together. Um, shoot it our way, you know, send it to our podcast and share it with Deacon Robert or you can go directly and, and send him information about um, what you're doing within your communities of, of how to entice men. Now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. When you go to some of those um, non-Catholic um, churches, they have men's groups. Mm -hmm. So what are they doing, right? That Maybe we're not doing what as quite as well uh i don't know i really don't know i mean it's it's a it's something that's really you know maybe scratched my head i don't yeah. know what we're missing i think you know what one of the things that i always looked at is you know we've always been so marian focused mm -hmm. and it's beautiful that we've forgotten that there is a joseph mm -hmm. that led that family right and i think Silent Josephs are great, but there are times where the, I, I do believe that Joseph was not silent all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, he just didn't say anything in the scripture. Right. But I believe that, you know, being that strength, um, you know, the, the people follow. You know, the one, the one thing that, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to add something about that, Joseph. I had a young boy in my confirmation class, and that was his saint that he chose. And I sat with him and I asked him, well, why did you pick? Joseph, what was the thing? He goes, because I have the stepfather, and he is a stepfather to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and he, Jesus turned out not just because he was God, 
but his maybe his mannerisms, maybe his politeness, his craftiness in being a uh, a woodman. He goes that was taught by Joseph. Mm-hmm. So his manliness, his way of being a man, was because of Joseph. And when he said that to me, I was I was really taken back because I had never really thought of Joseph like that. I knew he was, you know, there, but I didn't think of it in that young boy's life. So for all you fathers out there, what an example, especially your stepfathers, you know, you are, you guys are in likeness of Joseph. So it's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, we have Joseph right there. Yes. Image of Joseph, kind of a little modern version of Joseph, painted one one of the young adults. I think everything here was painted by one of the <laughs> youth. Um, but again, it, it's kind of like it, it behooves us to really focus and, and encourage young men to to participate and mm-hmm. be active in ministry because it attracts people. Right. And I think we that's something that the church needs to focus on is, is I- I- exciting young people aside from the priesthood mm-hmm. and the diaconate to serve in ministry, right? Because if you look at any other Catholic, uh, any Catholic church out there, and you look at who's leading ministry, mm-hmm. it's a lot of women, right? And so, uh, and that is that is something that actually I think men um, don't want to get into because it's a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine a married man saying, "You know, I feel like called to." To come participate in church, and it's a bunch <laughs> of women, and you're right. like, uh, I don't know how my wife is going to look at this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that that's not the intention, but, you know, that is, unless your your wife is totally going with you. And th- there's very few um, men and women's group. It's either a prayer group full of women or or not. Yeah. One thing that I've, I've that we've talked about is, I was thinking about what you said, what, you know, what do Christian churches have? And it's fellowship. The Knights of Columbus mm-hmm. is big about, you know, brotherhood, fraternity. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about doing a camping trip, putting together a camping trip, bunch of guys, pitch your tents, go camping, and then at night, dinner, we'll do some prayer, and just get to know each other. And that was one of the things that, I, that we've always talked about doing. Going on a fishing trip, mm-hmm. going for a hike. As, as a group of guys who are a Catholic. So maybe, who knows, maybe that, that, that'll be something we'll look into doing. Yeah, I, I want to pitch this idea because before leaving ministry, I, I kind of wanted to do this and pitch this idea. But, you know, when you go into youth ministry, uh, many a times it's really difficult also to get uh, young boys mm-hmm. uh, to come to ministry. And I remember uh, listening to... Um, going to a conference and how they got the men, the dads, to come to church because men don't go to church, the wives do. Mm-hmm. And so when the dads didn't go, then the young boys didn't go. So mm-hmm. he went into a parish community that was filled with women and their daughters. And uh, where are all the men? Well, they were at home. And what were they doing? Well, sometimes they're fixing their car, working on their trucks, <laughs> changing oil. So this really creative youth minister from Montana decided to do this. He decided that he was going to start ministry, and they would change oil, the oil of parishioners during Mass. And he invited a couple of dads, 
and their nice. sons. And in the back of the church, parishioners would line up their cars, and then they would change as many cars, oil, do oil changes. Mm-hmm. And one, it taught the dads to come. It taught the sons a trade. Mm-hmm. And the old ladies who needed their their oils changed mm-hmm. got it done by people who cared enough about their vehicles mm-hmm. and then they would the the young men would drive it up up to the line and the ladies would would do that and they'd get all oily and stuff <laughs> like that and then they would go to mass before or mass after right but i thought that is such a creative it's idea. different it's different but it invited people to come together mm-hmm. and it served a purpose and i think that's what something with with men is they're fixers. Mm-hmm. They want to work with their hands. They're doers. And just inviting them sometimes to mass is just, okay, this is good, but it's just mass because they don't yet quite understand it. Right. But what the guy did during those oil changes is while they were doing oil changes, he subliminally inserted mass in what it was about oh, and nice. telling stories. And so the guys were like, oh, I want to know about that. <laughs> and so I didn't know about that. So they got interested. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that might work. Right. I mean, we have a lot of people who probably could use an oil change that was all you had to pay for was the oil. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I think an oil change now is about <laughs> 80 bucks. Right. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine saving a couple 60 bucks? Cause, you know, they brought right. their oil, but here, you can change the oil and change the oil filters. And there's probably a lot of young men out there who absolutely do not know how to do an oil change. I don't know how to do it. We're going to teach you how to do an oil change. <laughs> Roland High School, you didn't take auto shop. No. No, no I did not. <laughs> so he, was, he took pottery. Pottery. I took auto shop and I blew up an engine. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then I was kicked out of that class. But, but the, the, there's so many ideas that you could do mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm glad that you're focusing on that mm-hmm. now is that something that you're you're called to do as part of the mission um i don't know i don't see that's the thing is i'm so open to anything right now uh, i'm really focused on learning spanish because uh, i'm taking classes right now to learn how to speak spanish uh because i'm a deacon to mm-hmm. the whole church not just yeah. the english so I'm really making it a priority to learn Spanish. So that's what I'm doing right now. And then we'll see what, what the next door opens up. So are you taking the advice from Father Brendan and watching telenovelas? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I actually started Andrew Hasi. He gave me some really good advice. He said, if you want to learn how to speak Spanish, start doing the rosary in Spanish. Oh, yeah. So I did the rosary today in Spanish. And it was so beautiful because I actually had to read it very very slow to learn and then Mm -hmm. as i went through it the fourth fifth decade it got faster yeah and i'm starting learning how to roll my r's a little bit so (laughs) yeah it works and 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 that's hard you know sometimes people look at you it's you know it's deacon robert gonzalez and it's like what do you mean you don't speak spanish now is that something that's that's like difficult for some people to understand it's like that you don't speak right it is very difficult and i had to explain to them why you know, because when my dad was a kid, uh, he was six, six, seven years old in San Gabriel. Uh, if he spoke Spanish in school, they got hit. So as my dad grew up, he said, I will never teach my kids to speak Spanish because mm-hmm. it was so beaten out of them. 
And so he never taught any of our of us to speak. Six of us. Yeah. So that's but it, you know in hindsight it was a real detriment because yeah. I'm so far behind. Yeah. But. And that's a, another episode for another podcast. The issues that that growing up because you grew up in that generation where you know our natural language was not encouraged mm-hmm. at school and was not encouraged at home. Right. Um, I remember my mother. Um, said, well, you know, until you're fluent in, in English, you may not speak the language. Right. And so by the time that, that I was in high school, I couldn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. And when we would argue, um, my mom would be inside the house and I would be outside the house because <laughs> she had a rule. Inside the house, you didn't speak English. You spoke to her in, in Filipino. Oh, really? But the thing was, <laughs> we, already, we had already lost it. Right. So we didn't speak. So yeah. you had to say something to mom. You have to be outside the house. <laughs> what did what did Father Al call you? Oh, he called me a coconut. Uh, he goes, <laughs> you're brown on the outside and white on the inside. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Leave it to Father Al. Yeah. It's like, I'm triggered. <laughs> <laughs> we loved that. We thought it was a great analogy. <laughs> it was great. But that's what we used to call people, though. Mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. I think sometimes I still do that, and the, the youth always like mm. go, it's like, ah. Uh, you shouldn't say that. I was like, have some humor, right? Yeah, it was. It's all. It was uh, all in fan jokes. I, I think. I think our generation laugh a lot about that. And, right. And this new generation has a, a lot of sensitivities. That's another podcast, right. another episode. Yeah, right. Yes, a lot, like yeah. four more. <laughs> yeah. So now, getting back to the subject, because Tony's gonna get upset with me because I always go off topic. Now, Deacon, mm-hmm. family life. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the family now looks at you differently, or do they still treat you like Robert? Uh, my immediate family still tr- treats me like Dad, Robert, but it's my extended family. Uh, people treat me different, and they like, oh, like my brother-in-law even told me one time, he goes, there's something different about you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's just the way you carry yourself, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. You know, I'm a regular guy, like I said, and so I don't use that language anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm careful with what I do, what I say, because you don't know who's around. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, but people do, in my immediate circle, they still call me dad or Robert or she yells at me. So <laughs> she still yells at me. Oh, so. the ladies, ladies ask me, what do you call him at home? Do you call him Deacon Robert? And I say jokingly, no, but I call him other things. <laughs> <laughs> She does. <laughs> she bags on the back of the head. Mm-hmm. There you go. Like, well, you know, that husband. was that was something that, that uh, Bishop uh, Barnes told us when we were going through formation. He goes, when I go home, I'm Richard. When I'm here, I'm I'm Bishop. But when I'm home, I'm, I'm not a bishop. Right. You know, so, yeah. Welcome back to reality. There you go. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a vocation. Mm-hmm. And you're doing dual vocation. I think it's it's a difficult call. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone sometimes always asks me, um, "Will you become a deacon?" It's like, no, we're not called to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not called to um, to say yes to something that's so beautiful that you guys are able to. Mm-hmm. Um, we're called to something different, to serve in a different way. Right. And I think that's important for for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Is that um, just because you're a man, you're not automatically called to priesthood and diaconate. Right. That there's many other things, which leads to you as a deacon leading a lot of the men 
to discern what they're called mm-hmm. to do, which is serve. Right. So Columbus, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to serve in ministry. Mm-hmm. Maybe oil changes. Right. There's some other tasks that we can do right. within the church grounds to serve the community. Right. So those are really great things that maybe one day we can work together uh, to I do. I would love that. Um, so that's, that's, that's a really beautiful thing um, to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, last words of wisdom or advice that you can give to young men or our listeners who are young men and older women um, to about your discernment process and and what they can do and also about um, the importance of being a Catholic man you know I think it's just saying yes that's the big thing you know saying yes and taking that that step of faith is scary and you know the priesthood's not meant for everybody or religious life but to say yes to God it's just the opportunity to see what it is, what he has in store for you, you know. And uh, there's, I brought my Bible because I wanted to share one scripture with you uh, and for everybody um, that's really touched me. And it was my scripture that I carried throughout formation. And if I can share that yes, with you. Please. It's called Jesus and Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He then said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that he had said to him a third time. Do you have third time do you do you have me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said, follow me. That scripture for me was always that God asking me, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my, you know, tend my sheep. And that's what, that's what I kind of used throughout my, my formation. Yeah. That is, that is so beautiful. And, and it's a great reflection. I'm, I'm so glad that, that, you use that as as the verses um, during your formation because mm-hmm. it's you know for me that speaks a whole lot of what we all walk through because mm-hmm. um, we are all called mm-hmm. you know in different ways in many vocations um, and I'm so so happy that, that uh, <laughs> you did 
I appreciate and, it. And uh, our community is so blessed for the two of you being able to serve as husband and wife and as a deacon and his, his bride, <laughs> his beautiful <laughs> bride. Um, and I, I truly believe we're going to be so blessed with, with both of you, the things that are the, the many fruits that's going to come from your ministry. I hope so. And um, I know so. you know god doesn't call you know you know we we have that that little thing that we used to say god doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called Mm -hmm. um and i i live by that Mm -hmm. because you know when we began this podcast you said i'm an introvert i'm really nervous you got the words out and i think the message that you wanted to send out really got there i hope so and and I believe that many people are going to be touched by the words that you say. I so, hope so. So say, I know so. I know so. There you go. <laughs> Amen. I Amen. believe. I'll say. So on that note, fam, thank you for coming on the podcast. The two of you, Deacon Robert, Miss Lorena. Oh, thank you for welcome. coming on the show. Thank, thank you, you for having us. For gracing our listeners with the wisdom that you shared here. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, fam, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about what I said, not what they said, what I said, you can send all of that to at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, just click on subscribe. We need subscribers. If you want to support us monetarily, you can go to our Patreon at patreon forward slash disconnected. Um, Dot com, I believe. Tony's going to hit me for, for <laughs> not always remembering. All our funds actually go straight to the youth ministries. Um, we do not make any profit or anything aside from, um, you know, giving it back to the youth ministries that are voluntary. So please support us. For as little as a dollar, you can just support us. Go to our Patreon page. And as always, we ask you to please live a life of holiness. Be blessed and be third. And also, don't forget, please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. (laughs) On that note, good night, fam. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. Different generations of the girls and boys. So sit back and relax. This cat, the podcast, don't overreact. If the thoughts are abstract when it's hosted by Catholic Doc Dad, who knows what's gonna happen? Hey, what's up, fam? Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if this connected. What's up, fam? To connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along. Best back, runaway thoughts like a runaway train. Break into conversation like links of a chain. Make a Hail Mary pass. Hope this connects. Have a question for a guest? Put it to rest. Live a life of holiness. Lead by example. Follow at Catholic.dead and many tangled. <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd. Pray for one another, be blessed, and be there. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if disconnected. That's it. Right. See? That was awesome. Stop recording. Stop recording there. That was really fun. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Don't forget how we stopped recording here.
This connected podcast is brought to you by the cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city. Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The cabin is a two-bedroom, one and a half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N, 2021.